it, it's just a joy for me uh, to be here. Um, I, uh, if it w you didn't live so far away, I'd love to be a member of this church. This is such a blessing to be here. Um, but before I get started, let's have a, another word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Sabbath day. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word now and to learn more about you. And I pray that that the, this message that uh, we're going to hear will strengthen our understanding and our relationship with you, that uh, we might feel your presence in our life in a in a new way, because I know that's what you want. You want us to be with you always. And we ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Um, the, the scripture that we just heard um, is, is really not what I decided to, to share with you today. However, just to recap that scripture, notice that the very first thing that Jesus did was he went to them to heal them. That was the first thing they did. And I, I really appreciate the health message that you have here in this church because God wants us to be healthy so that we can join in him in a stronger relationship. But um, I thought I would start out uh, with a couple of things. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of trivia, and um, you're going to see why I'm going to start this way in just a minute. And it's, it's just amazing how the Lord leads because the end of this little bit is going to tie in with everything that you've heard so far in today's worship service. So these are, these are things that are single, only, unique things. For instance, did you know that your tongue is the only muscle that's only attached on one end of your body? All the other muscles are multiple attachments. The only US president to hold a PhD was Woodrow Wilson. The only one of the five boroughs of New York City that is on the mainland of the United States is the Bronx. So most of New York City is not on the mainland of the United States. Alaska is the only state in the United States where houseflies do not live. The bee is the only, the honeybee is the only insect that produces food which is eaten by humans. The only letter that is not used in the spelling of any of the 50 states in the United States is the letter Q. Nepal is the only country which does not have a rectangular flag. It has two triangular pennants, one on top of the other. And if you're counting, we, Nancy let the cat out of the bag in Sabbath school this morning, I love numbers. And that was seven of them. And then the last one is John 14, 6 and 9. Jesus said, he is the only way for us to come to the Father and to know him. Amen. The only way to come to the Father. 
So what I'd like to ask, if, if you don't mind, is if you haven't already, open your Bible. And I'm going to walk us through a series of examples that the Bible shares with us about the kingdom of God. And the reason that this fascinates me, there's a couple of reasons, but one is we've been studying the book of Luke in our uh, church in Graham, and we're almost finished with that. And Jesus talks about the kingdom of God at least 11 times in the book of Luke. And when I first heard about or read about the kingdom of God, I think in terms of heaven. But there's so much more about the kingdom of God. And the first place I want us to, to take a look at is John 3. Open your Bibles to John 3. And in John 3, 1 through 7, Jesus says that you must be born again of the Holy Spirit if you are to see the kingdom of God. Um, I read a story. Uh, we're, um, we're approaching the end of June, and uh, so that means that we'll be in July real soon. And July 30th of 1945 was one of the last major tragedies of World War II. There was a ship, a cruiser, that had brought the little boy atomic bomb to the island of Tinian and was in the Philippine Sea and was torpedoed. There was 1,195 men on board and it sank in 12 minutes. Of those 1,195 men, only 316 remained alive when they were rescued and they weren't rescued for until four days later. And during those four days, a number of the survivors of the original sinking um, passed away. But when they were found, every one of those 316 men said that they felt, once they were found, like they'd been reborn. And they, they said, every one of those people said, we never had a bad day from that time forward. Now, Jesus said to us in John 3, 1 through 7, you must be reborn of the Holy Spirit if you're to see the kingdom of God. Imagine if we embraced that the way these people from the USS Indianapolis, they were reborn and they never had a bad day from that time on. Many of them actually had given up hope that they'd ever be found. But because they were found, they were reborn. And we have the chance to be reborn in Jesus, reborn to live eternity with God in heaven. The next place that I want to call your attention to in the Bible is Mark 1.15. Now, Mark and, and Matthew both the first time that Jesus talks about or the kingdom of God is talked about is immediately or shortly after Jesus' baptism. And in Mark 1.15, it said, The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. 
Jesus says, believe the good news. To go back to what Larry read in Luke 4, 43, Jesus said at the end of that passage, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That is what I was sent to do. And that's the first mention of Jesus, that Jesus makes of the kingdom of God. Right after he had healed those people and the demons had said, oh, you're the Christ. And he says, be quiet. I don't want, I'm not ready for that. So this gives us a lesson about Jesus's perception of the kingdom of God. It's past. It's the prophets had the kingdom of God when they had God in their hearts. It's present because when you allow the Holy Spirit to renew your life and fill you with God, it's, it's present. And then it's also, as Adventists, as good Adventists, we all know that the kingdom of God is something to look forward to in the future. So for the rest of this message, I'd like to focus on how Jesus presents this in Luke 14 in two parables. And I'm using this as an example, one of what the kingdom of God means from our Bible, from the book of God. We're actually reading God's word when we open the Holy Bible. But it's also how Jesus is interpreting for the hearers of his direct audience, but also to us, about how he sees the kingdom of God and how we can be in the kingdom of God and be prepared to be in the kingdom of God. So Luke 14, and I'll start with verse 15. It's also in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, but it's a little bit different. So Luke 14, 15 through 24. So hearing this, a man sitting at the table with, with Jesus explained, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now, if you read at the beginning of chapter 14, it says that, that the disciples were there, there was a group of people there. There was also Pharisees there. And in the beginning of this section in chapter 14, Jesus has just given a little homily about humility and how you have to be humble to be in the kingdom of God. And in order to be humble, you want to give to others in need. And when the Pharisee heard this, he exclaims, it will be wonderful to be at the banquet of the kingdom of God. Now, what this Pharisee is doing is he's saying, I know I'm already saved. He's thinking of his, he's earned his way just by virtue of his being a Pharisee. And he's trying to take the focus away from the humility that Jesus had just expressed. Won't it be wonderful to experience a banquet with with Jesus, the king, with the, um, God at the kingdom of God, the Pharisee says. And so Jesus then takes that response because he sees he's missed the point. And he replies with this story. 
a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Now I want to stop at this point. One of the things that we really enjoy about the Enumclaw Church is you love to eat here. We've been here at Christmas time, we've been here at your potlucks, and you, and you have, even when you don't have food, you have cookies after church, so you love to eat. And Jesus is using how wonderful it is as a human being on this earth to celebrate happiness with a banquet. He's using that to illustrate what the kingdom of God is by one of the most joyous things we as humans ever experience on this planet. Another thing that I realized, I didn't realize this before, but when Jesus is telling this story, the common way to have a banquet at Jesus's time was to send out invitations to everybody that you wanted to attend and say, please come to our banquet. And the reason they did that was it took time to prepare the banquet. Remember, they didn't have refrigeration. They'd have to prepare a bunch of things to get ready. They didn't know when it would actually be ready, and they didn't want to have people standing around uncomfortably waiting for the banquet to be ready. So they'd send out invitations for people, and they'd say, when we give the word, come to the banquet. So Jesus is telling this story. Keep that in mind. One, and they all began, and some Bible verses say they all began in one accord to make excuses of why they can't come. Now, if you know what I just told you about the audience, and, and it was common to get an invitation, and then when, when your banquet's ready, you go out and you say, okay, it's ready, come to our banquet. Think about how terrible it would be to say, sorry, I'm busy. Well, that's what Jesus is setting up here. They all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Or in modern terms, I just bought a new car and I want to drive it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, at this time, if you get married in, in this time uh, and you're a Jew, you had a year where you didn't have to go to war if you were a soldier. You didn't have to leave because it was time to prepare for the marriage to, so it would be a successful marriage. But each of these three excuses, now remember Jesus telling the story, each of these three excuses really don't hold water. There's a message that Jesus is giving with this. So the servant goes out and tells everybody, okay, the banquet's ready, please come. There's this, these excuses are made. The servant returns and he tells the master, what they have said. And the master just takes this with a grain of salt, right? Is that what your Bible says? No? He's furious. The master is absolutely furious. So he says, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. 
And after the servant had done this, he reported, okay, I've gone out and I've, I've prepared the banquet with these people that I found in the streets and the byways. And there's still room at the banquet. So what's the master say? Go into the country and get people. Go behind the hedges and urge anyone that's there to come. For none of those that I first invited will even get the smallest of my banquet. Okay, now we're ready to roll up our sleeves and say, what is Jesus talking about? Well, first of all, who is the master represented in the parable? Okay, it's, it, we're talking about God's kingdom, so it's the master stands for God. And the servants that turned him down, that made the excuses, guess who they are? They're God's people. They're the Jews that couldn't accept Jesus as their savior. And the master notices furious with them. Furious with them. And he says, go out and get people who are in need, who will accept my offer of the kingdom of God. The people that were giving excuses, the Jews, are focused on spiritual things or worldly things. Worldly things. They have a mindset of self. Worldly things. They're not thinking of the eternal kingdom. Everything that Jesus, that's why I love parables, everything that Jesus talks about has layers and layers and layers of lessons for us as well as to the people he was talking to. The Pharisee who heard the invitation to charity immediately wanted to change the, the topic on how he, he was looking forward to spending time in the kingdom of God. The great supper that Christ is offering is representing the blessings of eternal life if you would just accept his sacrifice. If you would just accept, you can be free of sin if you'll let my blood cleanse you of sin. I am the sacrifice sent from God for your salvation. The good news, and remember Jesus said earlier, I was sent to preach the good news of salvation. Notice also that those who live by the sword, die by the sword, those who sow selfishness will reap selfishness, those who reject the love of Christ and will lose heaven, because the master said he was furious with those who rejected his invitation to the banquet. If we are filled with Christ and his love by faith, we will want to follow him. That's one of the messages that he's giving here. And remember, it's Jesus telling this parable. He's right there. The Messiah is right in front of them. And they're, they're rejecting him. They're rejecting coming to the feast. If you turn in your Bible just a little bit to Luke 17... Jesus makes us another statement about the kingdom of God, which I just love. Because in Luke 17, verse 21, he says, 
The, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered saying, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, lo, here it is, or there, for the, behold, the kingdom of God is where? What's it say? In the midst of you. Now, who is saying this? Jesus is. So the first message is he's saying, if you look to the Messiah, you're saved. He's standing right in front of you. But he's also saying, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are filled with God's presence in your life, you are in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God can be present if we allow ourselves to be in Christ, if we allow ourselves to be um, a person of God. The kingdom of God is a present reality which exists in the hearts of people who have accepted Christ. And, and once we have accepted Christ, we are different people. Would you agree with that? So if we are different people, we sincerely are. And remember early on, Jesus said, if you're born again in the newness of life, okay, if we are born again and we're filled with Christ, the Holy Spirit has filled us with God's presence in our life, then we are new people. We're going to act different. We're going to treat people different. If we treat people different, that's the external example of the kingdom of God. Because what Jesus tells us to do is help those in need. If you're going to be a person of God, he tells us the highest in the kingdom of God are servants, right? Doesn't he tell us that? And when we are filled with that presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we are acting like Jesus did when he was on earth to help those in need out of God's love because we're filled with God's love. Every day we do that, we are in boot camp for heaven, for the kingdom of God, for a future with eternal life, right? Does that make sense? I mean, that's what Jesus is saying with this parable. He's saying there's so much more here, but I'm going to tell you the story. And if you really listen to me, you can be part of the kingdom of God now and in the future. Because in the second advent, when Jesus comes again, since we've gone through earth filled with Jesus and acting like we want to be in the eternal kingdom, when he comes again, will we be ready to accept his invitation? Yes? Okay, and that external example of the kingdom of God when he comes again and he says, take my hand and come with me to the, to the kingdom forever, we'll be ready to accept his hand. So that's the future. The gospel message was given to Christ's disciples as an, an announcement. The good news first was preach the good news, right? Preach the kingdom of God. Preach the, the salvation message, his first advent. The announcement of the second advent and, the, and its nearness is us working from that point on. The first step, do you believe Jesus is your savior? That's 
justification. The second step, I'm filled with God's love. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to help others. I want to have a life of servanthood. I want to be in the kingdom of heaven forever. The second advent is also part of the good news and its nearness. Because if we don't act like it's coming tomorrow or tonight, we're not ready. Ellen White talks about that all the time. At the end times, it says in the Bible in Matthew 24, at the end times, the people will be focused on worldly pursuits. As in the days of Noah, so it was with the coming of the Son of Man will be. So there's another example of how to prepare for the second coming. You don't want to be focused on worldly pursuits. I was just talking to a friend of mine this week, and he was talking about how his wife was struggling with something. And it reminded me of what Paul says about the difference between worldly things and spiritual things. And he says, to the worldly person, spiritual things are crazy. And so be prepared. If you're going to embrace spirituality, some things may not work in the world, world that we live in. And we were, we were traveling to Eugene a while ago and heard a sermon on the radio that I hadn't thought of before. Now, we're all sitting in a church, right? Did you realize that this is one of the few times in your life where you're going to be surrounded by a majority of believers? Because when we're in the world, we're not. And I hadn't realized that before. So is there a reason to come to church? Well, one reason is to be surrounded by other believers. And when we're surrounded by other believers, Jesus says, help each other. Come to the fellowship of the Lord. Right? And the reason I bring that up is that periodically I hear people say, well, you really don't need to go to church. I can worship at home. Does that make sense? I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense to me. Jesus is part of a triune God, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we are to be like Jesus, we are made in God's image, right? And if we're made in God's image, are we made to be solitary? We're made to be with him. And if we're with him, he tells us we're to be servants of each other. So there's another reason to come to church, right? Especially the Enum College Church where you can always eat really good. (laughs) Have a banquet. So um, just about out of time here and to wrap this up, um, I'd like to share a couple of things from this parable from Christ Objects Lessons. Because Ellen White has a marvelous way of pulling together a whole bunch of information and make it all of a sudden mean something on a personal level. And she brings out four things. There's a whole bunch more than four, but here's four to pull this whole parable together about the kingdom of God. The first thing she says is the world is perishing for want of a heart yearning for the gospel. Now, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What's the good news? the good news of salvation, the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the good news that we can be in the kingdom of heaven forever if we want to be. It's our choice. 
He's always knocking on the door of your heart, and all we have to do is let him in. So the world is perishing for want of a gospel. There's a famine for the word of God. It's possible to even have with, with Bibles in our hand to miss that message. The kingdom of God is everlasting life for those who are in Christ. And then she says something that is surprising, but it ties right in with this parable. Don't leave the gospel message at the pulpit. If we're just preaching to ourselves, are we doing what the parable says? He said, if, if people don't come, go to them. Go to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I get really uncomfortable thinking of myself as an evangelist. But I've, I've learned that if I listen to the Holy Spirit talking to me, I can be an example to others. I can be an evangelist without knowing it because he is guiding me in who needs the gospel. Right? So each one of us, if our heart is with Christ, filled with the love of God, can reach out and, and know that Jesus has told us that that's our job. Could he do it by himself? Yes. But aren't we blessed when we work with him, in concert with him? The everlasting life of the gospel must be taken out into the streets and the countrysides and taken to all. We are not to leave the gospel in the pulpit or in church. That's Ellen White's words. Number three, the gospel message Christ is referring to must not only be taken out into the world, but it must be presented in a way that makes sense. Paul was really good at this. He was really good at, at speaking to where the need was. And sometimes that's not easy to do. But each one of us, if you really feel like you are in a walk with the Lord, if you really are and you feel like your life has changed, you have a story, you have a testimony. Each one of us do. It doesn't have to be Doug Batchelor. Each one of us has the most powerful message because it's, it's your message. It's your experience of a new life. When the question comes to you, what must I do to be saved? We connect them with God's love. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. One more uh, quote that Ellen White gives, I'd like you if you are willing to open your Bible to Isaiah 55. Because she says this in Isaiah 55, these are the people that we are to reach out to, to bring the kingdom of heaven to, the kingdom of God to. Isaiah 55, verse 1, 2, and 3. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Now, this is you talking to someone in need, okay? Is, are you thirsty? Is there anything that I can do for you? Is there anything that I can help you with? It's free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? 
Why pay for food that does you no good? Now, Jesus talks about food as being the bread of life, and he's the bread of life. So there's more to it than just actual food. But if we can share anything, a little bit of food might be just what somebody needs. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. Now the listen to me is Jesus talking. You will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Where will we, where will we enjoy the finest food? Starts with a K, and I've been talking about it all day here. The kingdom of God. We can enjoy the kingdom of God, the finest food, forever. Come to me, for your ears are wide open, and listen, and you will find life. Again, this is Jesus talking. I will make you an everlasting covenant. I will give you all the unfailing love that I promised David. And what was promised to David? The kingdom of God. And in closing, Christ will perform wonderful miracles if men will do their God-given part to seek to restore the image of God. And the image of God is the kingdom of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that when we leave this pray place, we will hold our trust in Jesus in our hearts. And every time we're feeling faint, that we go to the foot of the cross and trust in Jesus. I ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.